My name is Jessica. And my name is Dustin. We are the Popcorn Poops. Here at Popcorn Poops HQ, we produce a movie podcast and commentary track hybrid that may be synced up to whatever film we're talking about or enjoyed as a standalone audio program. Today, we will be watching the 1998 film The X-Files, directed by Rob Bowman. If you are syncing this recording up to the movie, go ahead and start the film and then press pause as soon as the 20th Century Fox logo completely fades to black. It's time to start the movie. Sinkers, press play at the beep after the countdown. Ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> Yay! So previously a, on the X Files, this is a first for us. We're actually doing a movie that um, I, I had seen this before. I had seen this years before, but this is maybe only the second or third time you've seen this, and it's because you just watched it for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I like just watched last it for the first time week. I last guess. week, yeah. Uh, now, why why did you pick this movie? That is your pick, of course. Because. Um, I'm a fan of the X Files, and that I get into TV shows, and and I don't I don't really like watching TV while it's on TV, but I like marathoning on on Netflix or mm-hmm. or on DVDs or whatever. And um, I got into the X Files last year, I guess, and I I recently hit the fifth season, and you informed me that there was a movie, and I freaked out. So I can't believe you didn't know there was. So a movie. I just just finished the fifth season and exterior. And Day. that's when this movie takes place, is between the fifth and Two sixth season. Two dark figures so. bound across a white, snowy expanse. <laughs> Mulder and Scully? I know. I thought so, too, when I when I first watched it. I thought it was. And actually, I think this is foreshadowing for the end of the movie yes. when the two of them are bounding through the snow together. Yeah, the end of the movie is, is kind of bookmarked by another, you know, snowy There's place. even There's even a shot when they're trudging through the snow and and it's the two of them and it and it's you know it looks like this shot again yep. or the previous shot but these are actually primitive people yes this would be uh 35,000 years BC this was before we got all politically correct and started calling things BCE and CE and all that good stuff right um but that would be earth's last ice age so man would be, I guess, I, I don't know what the technical word for, I don't know if it's Cro-Magnon man, is that right? <laughs> don't ask me. <laughs> you didn't do the research? Not for that, no. You only did about seven hours of research. <laughs> no, that was to make sure that I got my episode numbers right when I was making oh, references. Okay. Because in episode three <laughs> of serious. season six. Hey, there are a lot of serious X-Files fans out there, and I'm going to do my, my damnedest not to piss them off. Yes, so. they're called X-Files spelled X. P H I L E. That's cute. Yeah. That's cute. Adorbs. Uh, but we do have two primitive men uh, searching a cave right now, and they're going to come across uh, an alien, some kind of creature, and uh, one of them's going to die uh, very tragically, and the other will be consumed by some black sludge. Yes, the black alien stuff. Do you know anything about this stuff? No. Nope. You d- d- well, nope, before, but I guess you're going to tell me. <laughs> I am. Before we go into it though, what what is your your knowledge? I've I've watched up to I've watched through the 5th season and I've watched the first couple episodes of the 6th season which take place after this movie, but that's all I've seen. So I've seen I don't know anything else. I've seen a handful. That. I've seen probably all of the first season, some of the second season and a handful of episodes here or there. That, you know, I went back and watched because I heard some actor I liked made a guest appearance. Oh, you're talking or, about like Drive or something. Yeah, or someone I like wrote the episode or directed the episode or something. Um, 
But no, I'm I wouldn't I wouldn't really call myself a fan. Certainly not an X File. Yeah, but you like the X Files. I do. I do. I do. In I guess in that way I am a, a fan. You yeah. are. You you like the X Files. What you you don't you don't sit and watch it obsessively, you know, no. like I do. But we do fall asleep to it a lot because you you like to put it on and yeah, I do, and fall asleep to it. Um. So the black stuff we saw it even in the opening credits. We saw this gooey black stuff floating around the words the X Files. Mm-hmm. Um, and these go all the way back to this black stuff. It's also called purity. Really? Yeah. Uh, it goes all the way back to season three, episode, I guess, like 15, uh, where we saw this French salvage ship uh, looking for a B-29 airplane from World War II that was carrying a nuclear bomb, similar to what was dropped on Japan, um, and and the escorts of this plane. And they, they a diver finds the pilot still alive in this, this ship that's been under the water all these years. And he's infected with this creepy black oily stuff. And um, this stuff is, uh, it's also called the black cancer by the Russians. And the well-manicured man, who we will meet later in this movie, um, he's, he believes that this is the original inhabitant of the planet Earth. The black stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sentient. It can communicate. And it takes over human bodies and controls them, which I guess is the the alien's means of creating a human slave race, which is what this movie is That's revealed basic, is happening yeah, in this the, Basically, series. the plot of the movie is that aliens are trying to take over the planet, which, of course, they are. <laughs> But but you say, of course they are, but for me, like, this whole opening scene and everything was kind of strange to me because this is a TV show that does not give a lot of answers. Uh, most of the time, you're left to question whether or not something is real when you see it. Um, uh, it kind of like an old boy, you get no satisfaction all the time. You're, Mulder and Scully are constantly, whatever they figure out, it's taken away from them constantly. So this this movie is kind of like that though. Like that's that's I think one is. of the that's one this of the movie movies. This movie is just a long episode of the X Files. It is. It is a it is a longer and only slightly swankier. Uh, yeah. Episode of the X Files. It really it, like it even follows the format of an X Files episode because this like as far as a movie goes, um, by movie standards, the spectacle is not that spectacular. It's really not. No. Um. It looks. It actually looks kind of like a cheap movie. Uh, I love this little kid's accent, by the way. This is a, an actor by the name of Lucas Black, and every role he's had, he's. I mean, I think this is just how he talks, and that's probably why he gets these roles because he's got this really deep, yeah, he's you know, great Texas accent. Um, but yeah, the the uh, the fact that this movie doesn't really feel like a movie is only one of my many many problems with it. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't You're just Im- going to poop all over this movie the whole time, aren't you? I can't imagine how a fan of The X-Files who was waiting for this movie to come out with bated breath and they go to see it. Um, I, I imagine one of two reactions. Are you fucking serious? Or, um, yes, it was totally great. Oh, I'm so excited. Basically, the uh, Star the Wars Star episode. Star Wars prequel. Yes. Yeah. Star Wars episode one initial reaction. It was totally good. It was great, wasn't it? It was great, right? Was it not? It wasn't. Let me think about it. I'm going to see it again. It wasn't good. It was bad, wasn't it? Oh, my God. What have I done? What have they done? 
and then you question everything. No, I don't think it's that bad. No, it's not. It really that bad. isn't. It's just look. I'm I'm not going into this saying this is a fantastic movie. I'm, but I am going into this saying this is a great episode of the X Files. I wouldn't even say it's a great episode of the X Files. I think it's a good episode. Well, okay, well, there's some really big plot holes, but, but yeah, exactly. But- <laughs> like I would say that as even as far as like like the as writing goes for like standard of excellence for yeah, the writing and in the show. X writing excellence is tends is pretty to be high. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I think they've got a pretty good track record. I don't think this is even a great X Files okay, episode. That's true. That, I'm sorry, but, <laughs> but there's some stuff that I love, and I love that they get to cuss. I love that Mulder gets to say shit. They do, and they 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 wear it out a little bit, but then they don't they don't claim their one fuck. They get oh, one fuck in a PG-13 movie, and I you know. Why can't Mulder like go up against like an alien or something? Alien comes around the corner and he's like, fuck that and walks away. And the audience is like, oh, Mulder said fuck, yay. And that's, you know, we get ours too. Nope, none of that. Anyways, this opening scene uh, gave us a lot of information. It, it let us know that the that this black stuff, that aliens came here, that ancient aliens are a thing, that ancient aliens are real. Uh, which one one of the reasons this is such a big deal to me is because previously on the X Files, Mulder lost his faith in aliens. He he stopped believing in them because he he began to believe that um, he was informed that that really it was all a government hoax and like he was being led by the government to believe in aliens as part of the hoax. Like his belief was helping them divert attention away from the real conspiracies that were going on and so he was led to believe that there weren't aliens at all i wonder if this is giorgio tsokalos's favorite movie who the guy from ancient aliens with the crazy hair (laughs) that looks like he's really high oh my god he does oh he's so awesome uh this is the guy from um walking dead first couple seasons of the walking dead spoilers oh oops Spoilers for The Walking Dead. Uh, he, he plays Dale. Mm, is that his name? I think his name is Dale. He's the guy who has the camper. The yeah, and yeah, he he, the RV. he keeps the one girl from committing suicide, which pisses her off for like multiple seasons after. Well, he keeps her from having a gun. He refuses. Yeah, to but give her he a gun. she tries to kill herself. And maybe that's why. He and takes then her like gun. he doesn't let her. Whatever. He's in that show, which is also underwhelming. <laughs> You're saying that as though the X Files is underwhelming, and it's not. No, just the movie. I haven't. I haven't seen the second movie. I heard it's it's not even as good as this. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but I will watch it. Absolutely. But that takes place after I finish the show, right? Yes, it does. I'm about to lose Mulder in the show. I know that happens. I I don't know when it happens. I don't want any spoilers. So, internet, please don't make me hate you <laughs> but um i know Mulder. i i read somewhere unintentionally that i know he gets abducted by aliens so i know he's gonna go away i know it happens soon ish but i don't know when i don't know how well i'm gonna watch the show after that i i feel like the the courier font uh location and date stamps in the movie i know they're a stalwart from the show but in the movie they feel really cheap yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of out of place Look, because it's john locke it is it's terry o'quinn uh who has played three different characters throughout the x-files franchise 
Did you know that? I know that he was first in season two, episode 12, called Aubrey, where he played Lieutenant Brian Tillman. How about that? Thank you. At season two, episode <laughs> 12 of The X-Files, oh my God. Terry O'Quinn, the finest thespian of our time. Oh my God, you are a terrible person. <laughs> Uh, and of course he's in this and then he's also in season nine as a character called the shadow man. Huh. I don't know if that spoils anything for you. No. Um, well, I mean, how can it's so vague that anyways, he's looking off into the distance and I had trouble the first time I watched this deciding whether or not he was in on the conspiracy. But then of course we realized that he is, he sees Scully up here on the roof. He just saw her a really unceremonious, uh, re- re- reveal of our main character's. Isn't it? Yeah, kind of is. Because, you know, in the beginning, when you see the two figures like going across the the snow, snow, you're like, oh, my God, this is awesome. They're walking across some tundra and it's crazy and and epic already. Um, And it doesn't end up being them. So our our introduction to our main characters, uh, Dana Scully and Fox Mulder, just talking on radios on the roof. But we get right into it here with her characterization where where she's given us all these statistics and facts and we're like whoa she is she must be skeptical woman of science and then fox is is going to respond to her science as usual by saying that he thinks the limitations of things that can be organized categorized and easily referenced are only blinders to the truth which is the organized categorized and easily referenced thing he says repeatedly throughout the movie he says it at the end of this movie too Uh i think he says it a couple times but yeah, so uh, our heroes, our heroes, so to speak. I love them. I really Fox do. Fox Mulder, played by David Duchovny, and Dana Scully, played by Gillian Anderson. Um, and I really love them, too. He's I think, eating sunflower seeds. I think they are just terrifically dry in the best way. Yes, in the best way. I don't mean that in a bad way. And and especially Dana kind of hits that perfect Clary Starling mm-hmm. note uh, which makes sense because that's where she got her her biggest inspiration for the role is uh, the, is Clary Starling as played by Jodie Foster in the Silence of the Lambs and it's I mean it's all she's over. spot on yeah, yeah she's spot on it's all over yeah. her character the only thing she's missing is the uh, the accent a little southern twang but, yeah um, she's um, I would have loved to see her in Hannibal uh, and have her didn't put you on say that, that she was she wanted to do it. She wanted to do it, but she couldn't because she was under contract, or it was there was some kind of uh, scheduling conflict with you know the fact. This that she's is on this a is my favorite series. my favorite uh, dialogue between them. It's very it's, <laughs> it's a very dry joke. When I panic, when I, I panic. make this face. No face. That was it. Yeah. I saw that face. That was the face. You didn't see that face. And I mean that's not like a you know a gut splitting joke or anything. It is rather dry, but they call back to that joke. They do in like a serious moment coming up. Really serious. Uh, We just saw the guy walk out of the vending machine room. Who is the sketchiest looking dude ever? Like if if I just saw him in public, I'd be like, "Stop, sir! You're you're up to something. You're putting a bomb somewhere, aren't you?" I'm I'm sorry. I I don't mean to profile you. Uh, You've probably had very terrible acne as a child, and that's that. (laughs) You know, scarred you both figuratively and literally for life. Uh, but you look like you're up to no good. Yeah, and he is. He's the guy who put the bomb in here because he's later going to be the guy in the ambulance that shoots Mulder for no in reason. The oh, head. sorry. Well, I'll, I'll bring up my issues with with that decision when we get there. So when when he finds this um, 
this vending machine. Um, I guess the guy's outside the door right now, sealing Mulder in with the thing on the like because the keyhole is filled when Scully comes to try and open the door. I guess it's super glue. I guess what is it? I don't know. It's enough for her to be like, oh, that's stuff that makes the door not work. Um, but the light's still on in the vending machine, so I guess there's some kind <laughs> of power not... still going on, even though the plug is... I didn't even notice that. No, it it wouldn't it, oh, okay. would not work. Yeah, that was the one thing that confused me, because like the light was still on, and then he looks and he finds the plug is missing which is the where it's unplugged um which was our yeah uh, it's unplugged which was our hint it was right a, that was our hint yeah. but the light's still on on the vending machine so somehow he's got like a battery pack or something going like he rigged it up with the bomb i don't know why is the light still on i don't know it seems like a lot of work for for what what they refer to as an ied so when they actually get this thing open it's open right now and we can see it um the What's his name? Terry O'Quinn's character, Michaud. Mm. Is that his name? Maybe. Michaud? I just keep calling him John Locke. Uh, he'll he'll come into the room here in a in a minute and enter the scene, and he will refer to it as an IED, which is a a word that has kind of entered the public's lexicon over the past ten years. What with the conflict in Iraq and the Middle East. Uh, because our our soldiers, the American soldiers, have had to deal with IEDs and whatnot, and that it means improvised explosive device. Uh, okay. I don't know technically what that is, though. Like, what defines an improvised explosive device? Like, when I think of that, I'm thinking that thing in that vending machine didn't look real improvised. No, and that that's kind of what I'm getting at is that when I think of improvised explosive device, I'm thinking some MacGyver shit. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking like, like you got like a potato and three <laughs> paper clips. <laughs> I was gonna say like a, a gas can and a rag okay, and, sorry. A, and a couple of rubber bands, and you gotta make it work. But I like, I like the potato. I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to think how that would how that would work in there. I was I was going somewhere. This doesn't look like, doesn't look improvised at all. This looks no. Look at all those this wires. Looks very planned. Like there's some duct tape, but it, it's colored duct tape yeah, even. Yeah, but you use duct tape in everything, right? Um, so yeah, I, I don't know exactly what an IED is, but, um, he's talking about that, that panic face again. Yes. <laughs> so he's, he makes a call back to that. And then, uh, and then at the end of the movie, she makes a call back to it too. Uh, well, she makes a call back to her pretending like the door was locked on the roof and she was like, I got you big time. And he, yes. that's what spurred the whole panic face is like, you didn't. And she was like, you were, you were panicking. That's not my panic face. And at the end when she dies for a second. Would you say that they're jokier in the movie than they are in the TV show? Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I would say they're yeah. equally as dry, but I think there are more yeah, jokes. Yeah, I think they're jokier. Per volume. I don't know. How how would you measure? Measure jokes per Jokes joke, per second. Joke, jokes per frame. There jokes are, per frame. The, the jokes per frame ratio is rate. The rate is higher. higher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess in this scene right here, uh, Terry Quinn, O'Quinn, John Locke's character knows that he's he's going to die because he right right here he says yes I can defuse b- the bomb and I think we're supposed to believe him that yeah he could defuse this bomb he's just not going to. Yeah, at this time. Because... At, at this time, we're supposed to believe that he's going to do it, but yeah. He, right, he right, but he's, well, he's about to just sit there and look at it, because I guess he's involved in the whole conspiracy. He knows that there are bodies in this building, the bodies of the firemen that were missing, and of the little boy who got infected with the black oil. 
Um, so, okay, I'm going to ask you this. I know what the movie's reasoning for this is, but I don't know if you have a, a reasoning for it. Um, oh, actually, we're just about to watch the, the movie's entire budget go up in flames, uh, quite literally. Uh, but why did, why did Mulder search this building at all? He had a hunch. Oh, my God. I, yes, that's what he says. <laughs> It's so arbitrary. It is so it is such an arbitrary thing for for, you know, it makes sense for there to be a bomb threat being called into the government building and they go search the government building. But he's like, nah, I'm going to check the building across the street where there are no federal employees. Right. But I mean, maybe that's Mulder believing there's government conspiracy stuff going but on. But why the building across the street? What is this building? Do, do they do they ever say what exactly? Yeah, why'd the building they call is? in? Why'd they call in? Well, I mean, they clearly called in this bomb threat. There goes the budget. Right there, that's it. That's the whole budget. That's the whole budget. That's why we didn't get a better spaceship they, at the end. They spent a chunk of change on some bees later on, and a couple. True. Of, uh, hey, that scene is a awesome. A little bit of helicopter fuel. <laughs> um, this right here um, is Oklahoma sitting bombing as hell. Yeah, very much so. It's uh, it's, bef- you know, pre nine eleven, we didn't have nine eleven imagery, obviously. But in nineteen ninety five, there was uh, a you know an attack on a government building in Oklahoma City, and I remember it. I was young, but I remember it happening, and I remember watching news footage, and it looks a lot like this building right here. It when looked when a was lot it? Like this, ninety five. It was in 95? April of ninety five, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I I was. Pretty young still. I remember. I remember some of the stuff on TV though, and so this movie's ninety eight. So this is pretty. Yes, yeah, pre nine eleven, post Oklahoma City pretty bombing. Recent. And that's that is it is very. And it was very a federal building too. And calling on imagery from from Oklahoma from that Oklahoma City bombing incident. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting. It, it, this movie kind of takes place in an interesting cultural place, you know, mm-hmm. between two, you know, major terrorist events, and that's. You know, before 9-11, that's what we had to call to. That's, you know, um, that was the cultural callback that you could you could summon in people's minds. And it's effective because, you know, it's not that I forgot about Oklahoma City, but when, when I see that, I'm like, wow, you you don't see you don't see that kind of imagery in movies anymore. It's always like, you know, you know, plumes of smoke coming mm. out of tall buildings yeah. and things like that. And, uh, you know, collapsing buildings and things, yeah. stuff that recalls that horrible day. Um but yeah, that is kind of that's kind of fascinating to me. Huh. Um, so so as I go through this movie, I continually just try to get the facts straight in my head of what's going on. So And it'll never happen because the facts never entirely line up. Right. But we've got the ancient aliens were in the cave. Oh, look at Blythe Danner looking really pretty. Who's that? Blythe Danner. She's a pretty famous actress. She's probably most famous for being the um the mother in the Meet the Parents. Uh, series, the Fokker series, mm. Meet the Parents, yeah, Meet the Fokkers. Yeah, I think I saw the first them. one and yeah. and was done. She she plays Robert De Niro's wife, and she's quite good in those movies. I like her in everything I've seen her in. But um, do you know yeah. the sunflower thing? I don't, but I bet you're going to tell me. I am. Um, when Mulder was a child, he would have nightmares where he would wake up and think that he was the only person left in the world. And then he would hear his father loudly crunching on sunflowers down the hall, and he would realize he was not the only person left in the world and feel better. So that certainly has something to do with why he obsessively eats sunflowers. Some fans theorize he has an oral fixation. 
Well, that's an easy place to go. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, do Do you know much about Mulder and Scully's parents? Are they orphans? Orphans? Not at all. They're not orphans at all. So no. you said that he's got a father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His mom's still alive where I am in the show. Is she? Is she still alive? I remember she was sick. I don't remember if she died. Did he have a happy childhood a- apart from, Yes, of up his... until Samantha was taken, his sister. Okay, what about Scully? Scully had a happy childhood. That's weird for heroes in modern media. Yeah, she had, she had a totally, totally normal happy childhood. She has a, a brother and a sister. Her sister is now dead. Um... Mulder's Mulder's dad is dead. Scully's dad is. But they're dead. you know they're they're adults now. You've got to assume that they've encountered death, you know, of loved ones in their lives. I don't know. There was a there was an interesting episode of the Cracked podcast that I, I I'm a big fan of. Their most recent episode, they talk about Disney orphans and kind of the whole culture around main characters who hmm. uh, have been orphaned or have lost uh, parents, you know, kind of tragically, and how that somehow. Uh, uh, I don't know, engenders some kind of uh, empathy uh, with audiences, and we don't know why because because I, most, most people, people aren't orphans. Lose their parents, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of like when we went to go see um the new G, the most recent Ghibli film. Yeah, when Marnie uh, when was Marnie there. was there, and and she's an orphan, and 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 I don't know. The whole time it's just like, but like that. It, I it's actually harder for me to empathize with that because. Yeah. Because I wasn't. Not that I can't sympathize with it. Oh, absolutely. Because I can. I can. I can have sympathy for someone say, who's, oh, poor who's, thing. who's lost their but parents. But like, I can't oh, connect to that character on a I personal feel, level. Bro. And I don't think most people can, because most people uh, have parents that they grew up with, or at least a parent. Yeah. Uh, so that is interesting for for modern. Yeah. No. Both of them had happy childhoods. Uh, Mulder's Mulder's childhood in my mind, ended when his sister was taken, when Samantha was, he believed for a long time abducted by aliens. This movie kind of gives an answer, though, this more so than we've had in hard evidence any time before in the show, but but he had begun to speculate that his father had given his sister away to the aliens or the government or something. What does OPR stand? Oh, Office of Professional Review. I just figured it out. I realized that Scully mentioned OPR. She had an OPR meeting. She had an OPR a meeting, meeting. A meeting with OPR. And I, yeah, I just figured it out. Never mind. Good job. <laughs> Answered my own question. This scene is awful. Yeah. This the is drinking, a drinking, drinky time scene with this Mulder. This is a terrible, terrible scene. Um, yeah. This actress is some is supposed to be somewhat famous. I think she's a British actress who is a big fan of the show and huh. the Chris Carter um called her and said we'll give you this little part um she's fine and there's martin landau sitting at the end of the bar oh we also saw walter skinner just a second ago and we didn't mention him at all but skinner is the he was the bald guy he's the director of the fbi he's he's an assistant director okay an assistant director in earlier episodes he is often seen with this cigarette smoking man csm um who who is i guess molder's nemesis i guess i think that had he had he stopped here after he talks about spooky maybe it would have been okay but then he goes on about his sister being abducted and yeah giving us a bunch of molder backstory and shouting to the heavens with the gun and all that kind of stuff i mean i i get that the point of this scene is 
for audience who audiences who are not familiar with the X-Files can go see this movie and understand these characters. This is not how you do that. Like having him just sit in a bar and, and just, just say it. Exp- like explain away like yeah. his his most basic motivations because just exposition diarrhea no just other way to yeah <laughs> out the mouth really really clunky yeah. and awkward it is and i think that's hard it's so hard for for a movie that i don't disagree is a tv it's, show it is a task but that is that where is part you of have your to job. find some way to reconcile that you want to please your fans but you also spent a lot of money and you're hoping to make some of it back and if you're just getting your fans to watch it then you're not going to make it back you have to get other people to watch it too i don't think fox not fox Mulder. i don't think fox the company mm-hmm. had a lot of faith in in x-files really ever because just you just read about like the production history of the show and how he had to go to Fox and show them like 90 pages of an incomplete script in order for them to say okay to the to the movie project and Independence Day poster yeah Chris Carter hated Independence Day that's why Mulder's pissing on the poster ah I see I see now that. yeah there's actually um <laughs> it's it's kind of funny in Independence Day there's a line uh, that was spoken just after the first shot of the cable station in the movie. And the line is, yeah, I love the X-Files too. I hope I get to see it. Um, but Chris Carter really, really, really hated that movie. <laughs> so <laughs> he decided to return the favor by having his character piss on the movie poster. Wow. This, but this... What, what was I saying before? I, um... uh, about Fox not liking... Okay, but this moment here first. You come out here for a reason... I did, Kurtzball says, as he unzips his trousers and walks toward Mulder. I mean, I'd run away, too. Like, it's a really awkward delivery, and and everything right there is just really... This Kurtzvile character makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Oh, that's a that's a quick piss for an older guy. His, <laughs> his prostate must be in tip-top shape. <laughs> Way to go, Marty. And then, like, here he's going to immediately start talking about how he's an OBGYN and stuff. I don't know. Just everything about him really just makes me uncomfortable. I think that's the point. That I think that's the point. I think well, then he, they did their yeah. job well. <clears throat> Well, what I was saying about Fox not having faith in, in this property, if you just read about the production history, about how, how Chris Carter had to get the script to Fox first and bef- before they would ever say yes to the movie. I mean, any other production company that had a, sh- a successful sh- show that had been on the air for five years and the showrunner says, we want to make a movie, uh, the studio should be like, yes, whatever you want. Of course, make a movie. <laughs> make us a ton of money. Please do that. But no, they were like, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, show us show us a script first. And like he had to go through all of those normal channels in order to get this movie made. That's crazy. That's so crazy. crazy. You you would think that an X-Files movie would just print money. And as I understand it, this movie did pretty well. Why why doesn't why doesn't Fox like the X-Files? Uh, because they don't like anything. They have a his, they they have a, a really long history of canceling beloved shows and, you know, just not not being in touch with their audience. Maybe it's a government conspiracy. That's probably what it is. Um so so you made the in- Independence Day comment, and that that's kind of interesting because in the sixth season, like I said, I've only watched a few episodes in, 
which takes place after this movie. Um, in the first episode, Mulder and Scully are in another hearing, and one of the guys says that their story, which is this movie, they're recounting the events in this movie, and one of the guys in the hearing panel says that their story, he's like, are you sure you didn't pick that up off of Men in Black? And Mulder's like, I haven't seen it, and the guy responds with, damn good movie. <laughs> so does I that mean that, that Chris Carter that likes reflects, or yeah. dislikes Men in Black? I don't know. I, was the character who said it a dumbass? Um, well, I mean, I guess he's doesn't believe Mulder, so. I really hate this Maybe. exchange right here. Mulder yeah. comes over to her house uh, in the middle of the night, walks in, and Scully asks if he's drunk. And then he says that he was drunk until about 20 minutes ago when Martin Landau, you know, dropped some, some info bomb on him. And Scully's like, so did you decide to come here before or after you sobered up, basically? She Im- is implying... That he came over to have sex with her. Right. That he's just going to show mm-hmm. up drunk and get some nookie. It, well, it, it, uh, I mean, th- I don't know much about the X-Files. I've We've established this. That doesn't seem in character. Am I wrong? I, that I doesn't feel seem like, like that's in their Okay. Characters. Well, I mean, of course, it, there's ten- There's hot and bothered tension between them through the whole show. Of course, there's attraction between them. Of course, there's sexual them. tension, of course. Um, but it just doesn't ever feel like it's that overt. No, I, well, the show goes to extreme lengths to make sure that we know that 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 they have a friendship first and foremost. That that most of the time that it's not anything sexual whatsoever. For as far as I am, they're as deep as I am in the show. They still they've never kissed. They've never. I mean, this show does way more of that. Or this episode. This movie does way more of that than the show has up to the point that I'm at in it. In fact, I I can't tell you... The reason that scene upsets me is because I can't tell you how many times throughout the show Mulder pops up in Scully's house or hotel room or whatever really late at night and she's just like, oh, what? What do you want? Just, oh, God. I just, what, Mulder? Exactly. Like, I, I feel like all around the movie is kind of an exercise in X-Files excess where all of these different things that are usually really low-key, like there's not a whole lot of humor in the show. There's not a whole, like the sexual tension isn't so heavy-handed. There isn't, you know, they don't show the monsters outright so much. They don't show the UFOs outright right. so and much. They're, they they're always leaving you stuff. to question whether or not you actually exactly. saw what you think you saw. All of that stuff is cranked up in this movie. The mm-hmm. sexual tension's cranked up. The jokes are cranked up. And they up. totally show monsters. us aliens, and it's definitely aliens, and they tell us that it's aliens. And that, like I said, is a big deal because at this point Mulder doesn't believe in aliens he doesn't believe in them where we are the ongoing question in the show is is there or is there not a government conspiracy going on and until this movie the answer was "Eh, maybe well but this movie answers that question definitively actually for me it's kind of the way I felt was kind of the opposite was that Mulder at this point was certain that there was a government conspiracy but he did not believe in aliens anymore and this movie to me proves both of those things also why did Mulder go over to her apartment in the first place like doesn't he call her on the phone in the middle of the night and say meet me here right now and she's like why and and he says just do it like did, he went over to her apartment just so they could write you know that little bit of sexual tension into the script uh, I think they are going off together to go do the autopsy and stuff right now, aren't they? They are, but he could have asked her to meet him somewhere. Like he, he just 
shows up at her apartment and says, okay, now that I'm here, we're leaving again. That That's exactly what he does. I don't he know. He says, I'll tell you on the way, and then end of scene. I mean, he does that a lot in the show, though, is he just he just pops up in her place of sleeping. Maybe I'm nitpicking, but it, it, like, it feels like come a on, bad let's go. For... Well, to me, it's a callback to him constantly showing up and waking her up, because they're always doing that in the show where she she's always just like oh god do i have to and he's like yeah we've got to go right now um and 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 the thing is is that that's part of their characterization their relationship that i love that that they just trust in each other and they just do those things like there are scenes of them like laying in a bed together watching watching you know investigative videos or whatever and it's totally platonic like it's it's I don't know. I just feel like they they didn't capture it quite right. I like this exchange though. Yes. This exchange is really nice. It it shows b- between Mulder and this uh private where uh, he just talks man. him into believing that they're supposed to be at yeah. this military He's just smarter than this guy. Facility. He's smarter than this guy and he talks his way through the situation. <laughs> and the looks that Scully's given him the whole time, she's like I'm not going to say anything yeah, but I'm, and she does this a lot too where he's doing very illegal stuff and she doesn't exactly participate but she doesn't i'm sure she doesn't agree with what he's doing but she's certainly not gonna blow the whistle no and she's just always kind of like oh god are we doing this oh yeah we're doing this we're doing this we're breaking into this facility awesome one thing that i hate about this whole scene though is that he leaves her here he does. He leaves her. For not a really great reason. No, either. and she's going to be trapped in here with these military guys looking for her. And like when they meet up the next time, he doesn't even mention it. He's not even like, are you okay? Did you get out of there all right? <laughs> He's like, well, you're alive. I guess you're, you're fine. You're alive. I guess you aren't in military prison. <sighs> yeah, this... um. The, does the show ever get this gross? I guess it does. It does. There are some pretty grody, nasty episodes with bugs and creatures. and. She is about to mispronounce a word that drives me crazy. She just said, she just said it's completely edematious. The word is edematous. Edematous. As in pertaining to edemas she's a doctor she should know that well in skelly's defense i didn't know that it's completely edematious (laughs) but she should know it because she's a doctor and the person more importantly the person who wrote it should know it and should tell them not to say it oh well it goes it goes back to you know um i don't know if it's i wouldn't call it age old but your characters are only as smart as your writers they can never be smarter than your writers, yeah. ever. So if you have a you have a, a super brilliant doctor, you know, medical doctor working for the FBI, and she's supposed to be like, yeah, she's only whip smart and maybe a prodigy because she's so young and mm-hmm. she's 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 achieved so much, and then she says edematious. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's oh, like it's like Justin. I don't know how does how does how does Fox pronounce nuclear. Does he pronounce it correctly? I, I, I I'm sure he said I, it throughout the course of I'm the show. I'm sure he has. I'm sh- I he I have never been upset by it, so he must pronounce it correctly. I hope I hope so. But that's like like the same thing to me. If Fox says nuclear, nope. All believability just goes right out the window. So, um 
He is now in Kurtzweil's apartment uh, where the, the local police have already shown up and they're they're searching for searching his apartment because he's been accused of selling child pornography yeah. or making and selling yeah. child pornography. From, yeah. On his shelf right there. Uh, it just I makes was, him even creepier. Like the, it, right? just the like, implication. Uh, everything they keep tying to him is just really upsetting. Anyways, on his bookshelf, we're going to see Kurt own books, the ones he's written. Um, uh, the titles are The Four Horsemen, the Four Horsemen of the Global Domination Conspiracy and Countdown to the Apocalypse by himself, Alvin Kurtzfeld. These fiction fiction for our world, for the real world books. But he also has some other books. I was trying to get titles of stuff on the shelf. The only one I could clearly see was a book titled Nazi Gold, uh, which is which is, uh, of course, conspiracy stuff about the uh, treasures that were in Nazi Germany that the Allied forces uh, likely stole. You know what's weird about the whole child pornography thing in here? Like, not that it's a central plot point or anything. It's just, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, but I think child pornography is actually a central plot point in the second movie as well. Really? I, that's what I've heard. I haven't seen the second movie, but I remember hearing something about that. Like, it's about a Catholic priest who... Maybe it's not child pornography. Maybe maybe he's molesting kids or something like that. Huh. Um, but yeah, I we'll have to watch that. That would be that's that would be weird if that came up in both movies. That is, would be. It's, it's a really. Why? I don't know. It, Why? it seemed really out of place in science fiction, you know, government conspiracy thriller. Huh. Uh, whatever. They do a lot of he, World War Two conspiracy stuff in the show, and and here we're getting into FEMA conspiracy stuff, and I don't. <laughs> this is be- this I is guess... before FEMA uh, proved itself to be uh, a totally. <laughs> A total, yeah, total, totally incompetent fuck up during the Katrina disaster. Right. So I, I guess people didn't know about FEMA back in 98. They were around, of course. But like, I guess like regular Joe Schmo didn't talk about FEMA because they even insinuate that FEMA is the secret government that's going to take over the world. That's what he says. And in, in, in retrospect, when you watch this and he get, he delivers like this super serious line and he says, and then control of the government will be, will turn over to FEMA, the secret government. And I'm just like, so, what? Why FEMA? FEMA. Oh, FEMA. They, <laughs> why FEMA? We're, we're insinuating that they have the organization and like, like intellectual capacity to be the secret government of the world. That's, he does yeah. talk about the Hanta virus, which is a, a real thing. Yeah, I I looked that up a little bit. Um, uh, I, I there was some kind of mini outbreak in the Southwest in '93. Yeah, it I was think. a real yeah, it was a real thing, and he refers to that. Yeah, I found something about that too. Uh, they they the stuff that's about to take place in Dallas, I guess they're going to blame on the Hanta virus at the end of this movie because that's what they put in the newspapers. He doesn't even really need to talk to Kurtzweil here because if, you know, just the fact that they saw that something was, uh, something was up with the, the bodies (laughs) at, at the morgue. Um, The fact that something was up with the bodies at the morgue was enough to have them go, uh, we probably need to get back to Dallas and, uh, you know, go to the FBI field office there and, and talk to them about, you know, where those bo- what building those bodies came from and if there was anything else found because it it leads them to the exact same information where she finds the bone fragments and then she analyzes the bone fragments and and discovers that they came from the 
digging site where the cave was. He doesn't even need to talk to Kurtzweil at all. But Kurtzweil has to tell, tells him outright and basically tells the audience outright, go back to Dallas because that's where the answers are. So. Mm. Yeah. I, sorry, we're at the scene that bothers me where Scully is is trapped and these military police guys are, I guess it's the real, the regular police too is also here. And, and it's a couple of Paul Blarts and a Gomer pile. What? I'm sorry. References that you don't get, obviously. <laughs> Just laugh at them, sweetheart. Ah, ha, 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 ha. And so she she's trapped in here and and he's not going to say anything about it later. Like I'm concerned for her safety right now. He's like, "Well, get out of there. See you soon. Bye." I, I he's the one who got her into this situation. Also, he's always making her do autopsies and stuff when she doesn't want to. <laughs> he woke her up to to cut into a dead body. And um there uh, if I can find it where is it? There's an episode called Bad Blood that is one of my favorite episodes. And oh, I can't find. Anyway, so this episode though, in that episode he he makes her do an autopsy that she doesn't really want to do. It's this great episode where they they go back and forth and tell two different versions of the same story where Mulder has killed somebody that he thinks is a vampire and they debate whether or not it actually is a vampire. And it's a really great episode. It's really funny. But So the end of scene. Did you so the 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 soldier walks in, Scully's hiding under the the thing. End of scene. Now we're now they're on an airplane going to Dallas. Well, he's on an airplane. She isn't there yet. He well, she's about she's to show coming. up. So I guess she's fine. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Really weird. Is we don't say anything. We don't see her get out. You, and I mean, you ruin a really great opportunity to show like an escape scene, like Scully being really uh, resourceful and crafty and getting out of that situation. Thinking of something clever to do to distract them. Or yeah, whatever. but instead it's like, no, nah, she gets out. She's fine. Um, yeah, oh, I found it. So it's season five, episode 12, where where they tell these alternating, these different versions of the same story, where we really see the characterization. Oh, a, they, they do a, a Rashomon episode. Oh, right, yes, exactly, episode, yes. Yeah. Where where it's the same story, but from different people's perspectives, when, one from Dana's, one from Fox. And it's really funny because it shows so much of what they think of each other and the things about each other that irritate them. And one of the things that is apparent in in her version is she's so tired of him telling her to come on and come do this crazy thing that he wants to do. And by the way, I'm going to go investigate stuff and have an adventure and you stay and do an autopsy, please. And and that happens in this movie, too, where he's just like, OK, I brought you to this place. Do an autopsy and then figure out how to get out. Have fun. Mulder's a dick. He can be. He can be. He can be. He's an a-hole. But maybe he's not 100%, not 100% a, a dick. dick. <laughs> so they find the bone fa- fragments here. This is what I was talking about. The The fact that Mulder went to see Kurtzweil was totally useless. Um, and they come back to the Dallas field office. And the, the director of this office, I guess it's the director of this, this FBI field office, uh, says that they found bone fragments in the building that came from... Uh, a dig site or a, a you know the site where the facility was where the little boy fell through uh, right. at the beginning of the movie yeah so that's going to lead Mulder and Scully out here to 
to the facility. Oh, but first we have to have the the scene where um, what's his name? What's the actor's name? Dale from <laughs> from The Walking Dead. <laughs> so disrespectful. Yeah, I'm, I don't know what his name is either. I don't even know what his name is in in this movie. So it's um it's a German name. There's a lot of German in this movie. A lot of German again. Names. Like I said, they do a lot of World War II stuff in the show, and they're always dealing with Germans. And, and they also do a lot of oh, Cold War stuff. Braunschweig. Braunschweig is his name, and he's played by Jeffrey Demunn. That's his name. So this whole vaccine thing, um, they keep talking about a vaccine. It's a vaccine to to purity to the black oil alien slime that infects people, and and uh, and we see that the chest burster has made its appearance. Not not the first. Not not the last, rather, reference to uh, Alien that we're going to get in this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to make an yeah, Alien sure. movie without referencing sure. Alien. Um, but so this vaccine was made by the Russians. And at one point, Mulder was infected with this black slime. Did you know that? I did not know that. He was. He was He was in Russia running around with Ch- Krychek, this, this jerk who he's always paired up with it, that is usually working with the cigarette smoking man and actually has a lot to do with this black oil stuff. So it's kind of his absence in this movie, unless he's dead. Is he dead? I don't think he's dead. So if he's not dead, then his absence in this movie is really weird because he has a big part to play. Or did they lock him up in some hole somewhere? I don't remember. I I, I have no idea. <laughs> Anyways, Mulder got infected with this black oil stuff and... He got the vaccine, so he was okay. They were testing on him, the Russians. So he's got a sedative here. Is this the sedative yeah, this, or is this it is the, the vaccine? vaccine? This is the this one is the he's vaccine. using. But he was given this vaccine by the cigarette smoking man. What? Right? This guy? Right. Yes, this but, guy. I guess. I mean, he works for the cigarette smoking he man. He works for the cigarette smoking man. So he, the just, cigarette smoking he just man has this was vaccine. There. But the cigarette smoking man is working for the the syndicate. The syndicate, which you were referring to as the, the above the government or above the gov. Group. Yeah, above the gov group, the syndicate. Yeah, this these guys work for the syndicate too. I'm assuming they're they're all yeah. working for. That's why they have the vaccine is because they. So he's going to administer this vaccine, which I guess doesn't work, or maybe it's the same vaccine that that you that Mulder gets later, but you have to give it to someone. Who, has, who hasn't it hasn't gestated? Yeah, hasn't gestated yet. Um, yeah, well, because the, they call it a weak vaccine. The well manicured man says it has to be administered in what 94, 96, 96 hours. hours. Or like that. Yeah. Why do they lock him in here? Because he's been infected, I guess. Right. I guess it's so, in their claws then. Uh, I, I guess they just assume that, that if he's had contact with this thing that he's going to get infected by it. Or mm-hmm. he's or he's beyond help and he's dead, so they've got to you know, they've got to cover it up. I don't know, that doesn't bother me so much that they're like, Well, this this one's fucked. <laughs> Better move on. Move on with our lives. So all of the all of the really exotic locations that they do for this great, you know, grand exotic movie location. on a on a huge scale is actually all just Los Angeles. This England, this is just L.A. And later on they go to Antarctica, and I, I think that's just like Toronto or something like that, or it's <laughs> somewhere in Canada. 
Yep. <laughs> they wanted to actually go to England. They wanted to like show a lot more locations and not revisit the same places that they usually do because that's something that they do in the show. And mm. they, you know, it's a movie. It's bigger. It's better. It's grander. It's Hollywood. Yeah. And they actually just, no, just L.A. <laughs> that's too bad. So we're, we're leading to a scene. Uh, Which with- is going to be our point of discussion for... A large part of the rest of this movie. Basically, it's going to set up every single plot. Would you even call them plot holes? It's going to set up every single contrivance and uh, unanswered question and problems. Just generally a lot of problems that it establishes for the rest of the movie. And we'll get into all of those. But um, it's all basically centered around the motivations of the syndicate organization, the motivations of the well-manicured man, this older gentleman right here, uh, and the motivations of the cigarette-smoking man, which seem to be in accord with the syndicate throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Although the well-manicured man uh, has some conflict with them, it appears. So that's well, what, we get from what the I the feeling I get from this scene is that the well-manicured man is having a power struggle with this guy, Strughold, they call him? Yes, um, who I guess is the leader of the syndicate or he's a higher ranking member or something. I guess. And I've seen the well-manicured man throughout the show. And of course, CSMs and this guy here with the memorable face in the background uh, with the big face. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the show a lot. This struggled guy, maybe he is. I don't remember him. Um, but I get the sense that power is shifting to this guy. And because they're they're irritated at him for they're irritated at the well manicured man for being late. Um, because his grandkid broke his leg, which is gonna I guess that was intentional because later we're gonna get some reasons as to why he's I guess betraying the syndicate. Okay. And. That's why we see his grandkids, because they're part of the reason he's betraying the syndicate. It's a, it's a sympathy thing. But basically, we learn two things here, and that is that the alien virus uh, has mutated, and it, I guess, needs humans to gestate. And right, the, that the humans are hosts. Humans are hosts for the virus, so, so in order for this alien to... Uh, Reproduce, reproduce, and and populate the planet. It's got to kill humans in the process, right? Like that's just in you know in the natural course Chestburster. of things. Chestburster, right? Exactly. So um, they've learned this, and what they're going to do is they're going to uh, let the aliens know that they know that the right. Well, about before... this, and the way they're going to do that is by giving them a an infected human by handing over an infected human and saying, and and that's their message saying, we know that, you know, we know that what you're up to, you're, you're trying to take over the planet or you're going to have to take over the planet to do what you want to do. So maybe that they can barter with them or, or, so the thing is, I'm not not really, I've never really understood even the show exactly because they don't tell us right out exactly what the intentions of, of the aliens are. Um, I, they're they're coming to colonize Earth, but why does the syndicate think they're safe? The syndicate thinks they're safe because they think they're they're not going to be part of the slave race of humans, which is infected by the virus, and they're going to preside over them. Or the syndicate, I also because they're making a virus, I also get the feeling that they're trying to protect the human race, that they they're or at least save themselves from 
from getting the virus and becoming slave people? I guess. I, th- I think it's a lot more straightforward than that. I think it is uh, the aliens want to reproduce. In order to do that, they have to kill humans. Uh, therefore, their goals... No, no. I mean before they learned about the reproducing... Oh, in the show, you thing. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm saying that I don't... I, I don't know why the syndicate is working with the aliens. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they think that they will have a place in this new world. Right. Right. Or because they he did Strughold did say something about like you know where their place would be in this world. Our role that, in yeah, the new, our role yeah. in the new world. Um, but then they they talk about Mulder and they say that Mulder has been snooping around, snooping around and talking to Kurtzfile, and they're like, oh no, Kurtzfile's a hack, but Mulder believes him, so he's gonna dig even deeper. And so, then we get our important info. Right. They they ask whether or not they should kill Kurtzweil and Mulder. And the well-manicured man says, no, if you kill him, then you'll turn one man's quest into a crusade, basically making a martyr out of him and maybe validating the things mm. that he's been in, been researching and investigating. So instead, they say that they're going to take the thing that is most precious to him, take the thing that he can't live without and basically kill his motivation in the process. And camera. Cuts to Scully. Right. So they've decided to take Scully, which they do later on. Uh, that is what they do. They 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 take Scully, and their two goals that we learn in the scene, where they are going to hand over an infected human and take away Scully, uh, are accomplished by you know basically killing two birds with one stone by making Scully that person that they hand over to the aliens that's infected. Um, how all of that happens is just the just ridiculous. Just one ridiculous contrivance after another. Um, so we've just missed the scene here, but. They went out to the dig site. The dig, the dig site was gone. Uh, it was in the middle of the desert, of course, outside the neighborhood. And cleverly covered up. So cleverly covered up by a huge patch of bright green grass in the middle of the <laughs> desert and a playground. And of course, Mulder's like, hey, what the hell is that? What the hell is green grass doing in the desert? Then they walk over and they lift it up and it's like AstroTurf or, yeah. you, know, you know. And then they meet the kids and... From the beginning of the movie, and, right, and the kids, the kids tell them give them, them which a little information. <clears throat> I love this moment here, where Mulder says, "I think they let well, they're at a crossroad." Are and Mulder says, "I think they went left. We should go left." And Scully says, "I think they went right," and they go straight and they go down the middle because they're a team and they work together. And this is like the most feel good moment in the movie because the music's about to ramp up. And we're going to hear the the X-Files theme. It's the most cinematic the score, I think, really gets in the movie. Because mm. the rest of the score is very ambient and, yeah. and kind of, you yeah, know, I love. I, I still love this moment. It gives me chills hearing, hearing the so X-Files theme. So in this, this crossfade right here that's about to happen, uh, the two roads uh, in the two different shots make an X. Oh, they and do. There it is Look right at that. there. Oh, isn't that stupid? No, it's cute. <laughs> As the theme, you know, swells and the, the theme is incorporated into the score. It's really, it's, 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 it's a nice moment. It is, I like it. Nice. And Mulder also makes a point of saying that he's never been wrong about driving and that they should go left. And actually he is right. He's correct that they should go left because the tankers are going to come from the left. So that means that he would have been right. But if he hadn't listened to Scully and decided to go straight, then they probably would have missed them. Um, so they, they they talked about Kurtzweil being a hack, being a, a what they call him a toiler and mm. you know yeah. conspiracy theorist that nobody believes him. Um, so I guess the syndicate sent the local police to shut uh, Kurtzweil up, even though he's a hack and no one believes him. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, why 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 do they even care? 
I know, because he's meddling. Because writing, that's why. They're going to kill him anyways. They are. We get the impression that they that that he gets killed. But <laughs> Yeah. This scene right here is is interesting cuz uh there was actually behind Mulder in the shot there were supposed to be street lights. They're not supposed to be, but they shot this where street lights were visible and they're supposed to be out in the middle of nowhere and apparently uh they had to be digitally removed. The street lights? Yes. So it cost uh, something like tw- you know twenty four frames per second, about a thousand dollars per frame. Oh my gosh. So it's a twenty five about a twenty five thousand dollar per second mistake. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. Also, it's really really convenient that his hunch second his second hunch his second hunch led them exactly where they needed to be, where the train tracks. You know, where the train would cross and he would see the two tankers that they were after. It's the second Mulder hunch that has allowed them to progress the story. We can just assume that he's a superhero. I'm just, he's Jesus. He's got to be Jesus. <laughs> um, the the whole thing that we're hinging on here, too, that, that we didn't talk about it yet, but that the syndicate believes that... He he will crumple and stop working if Scully is taken away from him. It's a big assumption. It is a big assumption because Mulder's whole character is based upon the fact that his sister was taken away from him when he was a little kid. And that's the whole exactly. reason he does everything. Well, but the writers he va- gets into government conspiracy stuff later. But the writers validate this this assumption when Mulder starts saying stuff like, I can't do this without you, Scully. I can't do this without you. But she was abducted earlier in the show. In the second season, Dana gets abducted. he didn't know if she would come back. And he didn't. That's when he got paired up with Krychek, the guy who becomes a problem for him throughout the show. Um, One of the guys. And and he, I mean, he is convinced that he's... He's he has to find her. It just it just makes him. Yeah, he goes through like, like some boobs. weird depression stuff. Those look like boobs. I'm gonna I'm gonna latch on. They that do. There are no boobs in this movie. They do look like boobs. So I'm gonna say glowing boobs. I'm gonna say hey boobs right there. <laughs> <laughs> the the boobies in the distance. But I mean his his sister's abduction really made him. It motivates a lot of what he does. So taking Scully away. Also, how do you put corn a cornfield in a movie about aliens and you don't do crop circles? True. How do you do that? What the hell are you thinking? They do the corn thing a lot in the show. Oh, really? There's a lot of corn? Yeah. Hey, boobs. They're not boobs. They look like big glowing boobies. <laughs> uh, yeah, this... um. This whole sequence leads to a couple of things that are just kind of ridiculous and unbelievable uh, on on a couple of different levels, um, but it does it it does lead to one of the better scenes in the movie. I think one of the the cooler scenes in the movie inside one of these domes. Yeah, it is. This this is my favorite scene in the movie. One of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's a really cool shot. Yeah. Yeah, it is really cool. It's really cool. The bee thing has come up a lot already because, uh, like, there in the fourth season, there was this whole thing where, I think it was the premiere episode maybe, where Mulder runs into clones of his sister that are children, so they look like his sister did when, when she was a child, and, mm. and he winds up getting trapped in a gigantic beehive trying to escape from 
from this guy. And and the bee thing, there's a Skinner episode that has to do with bees killing people. And they the bees and the corn and the clones and all that and the black oil, they're all connected in this conspiracy. This movie just kind of tied it all together nicely, but then also just confused things a lot more by having a bunch of plot holes, which I don't understand. So... Mulder talks to Kurtzweil later, uh, and he talks about what the point of all of this is right here with the domes and the crops and the bees that are going to come out. Uh, and that that's another thing that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, and I, I think he mentions it to Kurtzweil. Um, but the point of all this ends up being that the the corn crops have been modified their pollen has been modified to carry the virus and these bees are here so that they will carry the, the, the modified and infected pollen to other corn crops and that's how they infect the population. This shot right here was actually in the trailer without the bees. Really? Yeah, because they didn't want to give it away. They wanted the, the excitement and the because there's not a whole bunch of action in this movie. Yeah. But they wanted the, the cool action shot, but they didn't want to give it away, so they took the bees out. They used 3,000 actual bees. Oh, wow. Uh, for the shot, and then they filled in the rest with, with you know, CG. Um, but that shot right there was in the trailer without the bees. So here's where problems start. It is. Um, we and are I, supposed I was saying to... that, so I'll, I'll just leave that there with the, pollinate, uh, the pollination. Right. Pollinization? Pollinate, pollination? Also, I would be taking my clothing off. My clothing would be coming off and I would be shaking it furiously. They're, they're not ready for that level of sexual tension in the show. There's a scene in the show where she is, where she is stripped down to underwear and he's like looking for bug bites on her for, I don't remember what the reason Checking is. her for ticks? No, there's, there's a reason. It's something supernatural, I'm sure. But... So this scene is kind of what they're being chased by helicopters. It's it's a little bit reminiscent of North by Northwest, a little bit, uh, which Martin Landau is also in. How about that? How about that? You you haven't seen North by Northwest, have you? Oh no, actually, I I did. I the saw the crop duster it. scene from yeah, North by yeah. Northwest. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. It's a little he, bit reminiscent of that. And yes. Martin Landau is also in that movie, so that's kind of a interesting little tie-in. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's valid, but these um, are supposed to be black helicopters. They are. They look kind of gray. Maybe they are black. I guess so. But they are chased around. So there's an. I guess we're meant to assume that the helicopters know they're there and they're chasing them. And then the helicopters just kind of disappear. I guess the helicopters are just supposed to scare them and and sort of make them leave. But is, is that what it is? I guess so. I guess they're just like hurting them and trying to make them leave and scare them huh okay i guess if that's the point because then they do their job kurtz Vile says later he's like if they didn't want you to leave then you wouldn't have left they don't make mistakes so clearly they they're doing this for a reason if they wanted to find them and capture them then they would their motivations the aren't really known right now now for like for the helicopters and all that stuff though so that's that's kind of strange and you never really learn why they did it all you hear from kurt's file is that they don't make mistakes so they pulled out the helicopters for a reason but who knows why where did they go where did they go that's a really good question 
Always Scully with the good questions. <laughs> um, so yeah, like if you if you're meant if you're meant to believe that they were chasing them, uh, and they stopped chasing them because they decided that they didn't need to chase them anymore because Scully has a bee on her person right now. Right. That's what we're supposed to believe. We are supposed to believe that through all of that, she went, so she's now in, in Washington DC at the office of professional review. And she has just flown on a plane from Dallas. She was just in Dallas. So she hasn't bathed. She hasn't taken off her clothes or anything. These people like don't that. sleep also. Yes, I don't they think never they sleep. sleep at all in this movie. They, I don't think they sleep at all. The one time that she tried to, she was woken up right. by a drunk, uh, Mulder looking for something. <laughs> and we're meant to believe that she flew on a plane from Dallas to Washington, D.C. with a bee in her clothes. <laughs> and then all, and now he's about to talk to Kurtzweil about the, you know, the bees and the pollination and carrying the corn crops and infecting the, you know, the human population, all that kind of stuff. And this cross cuts back and forth between him doing, having this conversation and Scully in the, in the professional review office with the bee like crawling around on her clothes and crawling up under her collar. And this is in the during the day. You can see the sunlight like coming in through the windows. Uh and then later at night she is at Mulder's apartment. And it's gonna get stung and by the bee. That's when the bee stings her. Right. So that bee crawls around and chills out on her clothes, taking like a little bee nap for like twenty four hours while she's running and doesn't doesn't die. Cornfields. Doesn't die. And boarding planes and going through doesn't get security. Crushed, doesn't sting her. Just hides. Just it's sleeps. Sleeping. It's, it's sleeping. Sleep, it's taking a bee nap. And see here, it woke up. It had a little. It woke up from his bee nap. It's crawling around. It's gonna go back to sleep. They knew it was gonna happen. The, I, I the think, syndicate. I think the, I think the bee knows thing, what the bee is thinking. I think the. <laughs> <laughs> they're robot bees that's what it is robot they're bees. controlling them with like very tiny, very tiny remote tiny controls, controls. <laughs> one little robot bee <laughs> um Kurtzweil says here he's he he was talking to Mulder and he he said that it was all a transportation system the corn and the bees and stuff he said uh our molt Mulder suggests that it's a transportation system, transgenic crops, the pollen genetically altered to carry a virus. But why does that mean that the bees have the virus? I was just about to say that because when when Scully gets stung, she's infected with the virus. That's how it happens. But the, but I thought he was saying the pollen had the virus. Yeah, that, that's the point of having the combination of the crops and the bees. Is you keep the raise the bees, you have a whole you know swarm of Africanized bees that will carry great great deals of pollen away from this the corn crops that have modified pollen to carry the the virus so that they can uh, pollinate. Is it pollinate? Yes, it's pollinate. Mm. Pollinate other corn crops and therefore infect the population when they eat the corn specifically corn well that's yeah it's now that's how that's got to work okay okay but the but bees also have the virus apparently so what's the why i don't i don't understand so they they make bees with the virus and the corn crops have the virus just or maybe the maybe the corn just to be have the sure virus and, i don't know 
or maybe the bees have the virus and when they I'm more concerned about how this pollen, bee they, No, that doesn't make it No, because it doesn't make sense because they had to modify the pollen to carry the virus. That's what Kurtzfile said. I guess or Mulder said. They said it in the conversation. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so here, I mean it doesn't matter because there are more important things that don't make sense later. But so here is our romantic scene between Scully and Mulder. The almost kiss. The almost kissed. Kissed kissed in the hallway. It's really It's bad. Yeah. Jessica, it's bad. Look, I want Scully and Mulder so, to get together just as much it is as so the next convenient because X-Files the thing, fan. What what stops them from kissing? That she gets stung by the bee. I told you it's a she, robot bee. She gets stung. The syndicate is controlling its thoughts. <laughs> They've got a little, a little tiny remote, and they just wait until because they want Mulder to almost kiss her, and then so that's she, the moment she has, when he's she has, be the saddest. She has an invincible, an invincible bee. Chilling out in her clothes. She's taking a nap. That has impeccable timing. Yeah. Impeccable timing. Well, impeccable dramatic timing. Impeccable dramatic timing. This yes, bee exactly. <laughs> is versed in, in, I'm, I'm done. It's really <laughs> stupid. It's too stupid to even talk about. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, this whole scene here, like, First, we have this sudden lack of confidence from Scully, which I don't get, where she comes in and she's just like, she's like, you've never needed me. I've been holding you back from the very beginning. And and it's like, it's like, but, but, but you've never, she's not an inconfident character. She's not one to think that she knows she's saved his ass many, many times. And then Mulder gets suddenly sentimental. And also out of character for him, where he's he's saying all this stuff about you've kept me honest and made me a whole person. You complete me. I owe you everything and you owe me nothing. You complete me. And and it's not that these things aren't true. It's just a little bit strange. It is strange. Because it's just it's kind of out of there. These are two moments where she's suddenly inconfident and he's suddenly sentimental. And those are two things that those characters are not. She is extremely conf- confident, and he is extremely detached from everything. So much so that he he doesn't see it in moments when she is feeling a little romantic toward him, and he doesn't notice it because he's thinking about aliens and shit. So I don't know. It's so dumb. <laughs> they just wanted to put an almost kiss in. That's what that's, they wanted. That's all, they just wanted, they wanted an to put an almost kiss, kiss and... because it's a Hollywood movie. But. I love this. I love the way she reacts to the bee sting, though, where she just starts this is listing, listing all the yeah. medical things that are happening to her. Yeah. Funny taste in the back of my throat. Yeah. It's so scully. So she says she has no allergy. Now, now he calls 911, and the ambulance is going to come. Now, <clears throat> I can believe that. That well, they intercepted the call. The lone gunmen in the next scene where Mulder's in the hospital uh, say that they did intercept the call. Were they waiting for this to happen? Did they orchestrate the bee being in her clothes and waiting for it to sting her so that he could call 911 so that they could intercept the call and then come pick her up? 
and or, they've, they've just been chilling like or, for 24 hours or are they just, just with an are ambulance they just ready. are they just monitoring Mulder and you know there's some panic going on behind the scenes they're like oh he's 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 calling the police he's calling 911 intercept a call right now all right send an ambulance out all right we're going to pick up Scully and then the guy from the beginning of the movie poor um and here Mulder just poor, got shot poor pockmark guy uh just shot Mulder in the head i thought taking Scully was the alternative to killing Mulder. The thing that we're going to come to here, the conclusion that that I've come to, is that we are missing a scene. There's a, a scene of this movie. The only way stuff makes sense is that there is a scene that took place after the syndicate scene where they saw that we saw already, where the well manicured man and the cigarette smoking man and then the new new guy were all together and they decided to not kill Mulder but take Scully. There's a scene that happens after that with the same people. There must be. Where mean. they change their mind. Where they decide to take Scully and, and kill, kill Mulder. Mulder anyway. Yes. There is a scene after that where they change their mind and they just don't let us know. There's got to be a scene. You, you're not saying there is a scene, but there there should be a scene there. Right. That's the only well, way that makes sense. Well, it's the only way it makes sense because that's what, what has happened and, and we'll, when, when it comes to it later, we'll explain more in detail why that's has to be the case but we have to we're supposed to believe the the when we see the bad guys when we see the syndicate talking we're supposed to believe what they're saying right because because it's because that they're talking in confidence well thing. i mean they're talking in confidence with one another right like and, that's... and because it's a tool to create tension it's a tool to create tension that you give your audience more information than your main characters have. We don't know. Or we know, but Mulder doesn't know that the bad guy's around the corner. We know, so we can sit there and go, no, 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 Mulder, no, don't go. But, but that's the point. And if you're just lying to us in those scenes, then you totally take away. Here's the lone gunman. Um, the lone gunmen are my favorite characters in the X File. To- they are totally ripped off in Buffy, Buffy uh, the Vampire yes, Slayer. Ab- absolutely. But you know, Joss Whedon probably said, "I like those characters. I'm putting them in my show too." <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know though. Who? What? What came first? X Files. But the lone gunman. Well, I guess. When did they show when up? When did Evil Trio show up? I don't. I, I, I don't, don't remember when. I don't Evil, remember. I don't remember what year it would have been that Evil Trio. But I guess. I guess the Lone Gunmen were here first. But they are pretty great, and they're so great that they got their own show for one season that totally failed. I did not know that, and I am so excited about that we now. Need to track that I down. I am so excited to watch that. Um, we get the Lone Gunman's backstory back in season five, episode three, called "Unusual Suspects," where we learn how um, they they all became friends. And began to believe in government conspiracy because of this one attractive woman who they meet who's on the run. And they become friends with Mulder. And they are pretty much the reason or one of the major reasons why Mulder starts to believe in government conspiracy. He wasn't this guy until he met them. It's a slippery slope. Uh, it's a slippery slope of believing When in these guys met, um, Byers and Frohickey and Langley, when they met, they were... Two of them were selling stolen this guy looks cable, like Huey Lewis. and one was working for the FCC. Do you know what Byers' full name is? Nope. John Fitzgerald Byers. Oh, ha, how about ha, that? Ha, ha. Get it? Because yeah, like, 
And that's all we get of the lone gunman. So for I don't know how they knew he was there. For all of yeah, exactly. They don't know how they don't. I, I don't know how they knew he was there. Not only that, but for all of the exposition and dialogue that this movie indulges in, in order to relay information to the audience, so that it can catch them up on character motivations and stuff, and allow this to be a standalone film for those kind of viewers. What the hell could they have possibly thought about these three weird looking dudes? Yeah, I try and I mean, like for me, I sit there and I'm like, oh my god, it's the lone gunman! Yeah, exa- I'm so for excited! Fans. I can't! Yeah, oh my exactly. gosh! I can't wait to! But um, but for anyone who doesn't watch the show regularly, then it's like, who are these three weird looking guys who just popped up and gave Mulder clothes and then left? Yeah, right. Hair Kurtzfeld is about to get abducted. Not by aliens. No, by the government. By the above the gov, by the syndicate. The well-manicured man. And what's about to happen, we have done before. This is something I don't think you know about it, Dustin, but the whole plot that's happening here where Scully is abducted by a government group and Mulder has to do something or trust that same group to get a vaccine to save her life. We already did that. We did that specifically. Scully had a, a we just came out of it, actually. She had a, a, a cancer storyline mm-hmm. in season two episode. Oh, I remember when you were watching those. Yeah, it was really, actually, it was really unsettling. They were dark. They were really dark episodes, yeah. Back in season two, episode five, six, uh, she's abducted by, we don't know if it's government or aliens or both. In the third season, after she comes back, she finds an implant in the back of her neck and takes it out. In the fourth season, she has cancer. And she and Mulder realize that it's because of her abduction and it has to do with something they did to her. He winds up breaking into the Pentagon to get a cure. And in the end, he winds up giving her a chip that they put back into her neck and her cancer goes into remission. We get the feeling that Skinner made some kind of deal with the cigarette smoking man or something. Um, so Mulder could do all this, but basically it's the same thing. Like he, he doesn't go in for the chip. He goes in for a vaccine for, he gets a vial. Like it's, it's so similar to what's about to happen. It's just kind of the same storyline. She's abducted. He gets a vaccine and he goes to save her. So this is another thing that's kind of confusing. And this, I guess this plays into your missing scene theory. Um, who exactly is the well-manicured man working for in this scene? Is he working right. against the syndicate or is he working for the syndicate? And that goes for all of the decisions he makes because uh, I guess we're meant to believe that when he says, and he's about to say it here in a minute, we're meant to believe uh, that he's telling the truth when he says the syndicate sent him to kill Mulder and Kurtzvile, despite the fact that I thought it was pretty well established that we didn't want to turn these. And again, these were well manicured man's words, but I got the feeling that Strughold agreed with him and decided to take Scully uh, as an alternative to killing Mulder and or Kurtzvile. Uh, but he tells Mulder that he was sent to kill them. So instead, he's going to kill his driver, give Mulder the vaccine, 
and then I guess he commits suicide, commits suicide with a car bomb. I mean, he. I guess we get we get this little look where we think he knows that he's about to he kind die. Of, yeah, he kind of sighs before he gets in the car, and you get the feeling that it's like it's kind of like so, a, this is it moment. So when I first saw the scene, because okay, in in the the one scene we had with the syndicate with the above the gov group, the well manicured man was pissed off at them because. Of whatever power struggles going on. Because they had already decided to... Without him. Yeah, they had already made a decision to give the aliens a human that was already infected. He's pissed off at them, but but they said, don't kill Mulder, take Scully. I assumed in this scene that he was lying to Mulder. That was, that was how I reconciled it at first, is when he says, I was sent here to kill you, I assumed he was lying about that. Because he immediately after that says... Don't trust anyone. He immediately says that afterwards. However, if he's lying, then that means he's still working for the syndicate. Right. He hasn't betrayed them. And the point of the lie would be to maybe confuse Mulder or something like that. I guess not just confuse us. Yeah. Um, but if he was still working for them and he wasn't betraying them, then there's no reason why he would give Mulder the vaccine to save Scully. And the coordinates and everything. So so he has to be, we must assume that the well-manicured man is working against the government, that he's telling the truth, that he was sent here to kill Mulder. And that means that we must assume that that they changed their mind. Because guess, the last scene we saw, they said, don't kill Mulder. You, you've got to think about his end game. What is his end game? He's giving Mulder this vaccine, knowing that if he administers it to Scully while she's in the system, it will bring down the system. It will bring down the aliens right. and it will end this yeah, entire thing. Yeah, it destroys thing. the whole, like the whole ship takes off and stuff and there's like a huge... So the syndicate doesn't want to stop what the aliens are doing. They just want to compromise with them or... I guess so. They, they a, just, they're trying to buy more time. But not piss them off. Right. They're trying to buy more time. But if you can just get rid of them the way Mulder ends up doing, I don't know why they don't just do that. I mean, maybe it's it's probably a money thing. It's probably about like if the aliens can take over the world, then the then the syndicate can take control of the world with them or it has a, have a place in the new society they where they've got more power. Right. But now they're learning that the aliens are, I guess they're not ready to give up on the hope that they can have. So he a, just shot his driver. And he says, trust, trust no me. one. He Right after he says, I was ordered to kill you in Kurt's file. Uh, and he makes him get out of the car. And then he gets back in and commits suicide. So I guess he is wor- he is working against the syndicate in order to bring this conspiracy down. And he needs Mulder's help. But to the do whole that. thing is so confusing because, like, why is there the bomb in the car? How did they? How did the syndicate know that the, that he was going to betray I them? Think he did, I think and he if, did it to himself. I think he killed himself. Right, right. He knows there's a bomb in the car, but that means the syndicate planted the bomb in the car, so the syndicate knew that he was going to betray them. But then he also killed Kurtzweil because Kurtzweil, I guess, is in the trunk. So why did he kill Kurtzweil? then if he wasn't if he wasn't going to kill Mulder why did he kill Kurt's file I don't know Kurt's file is just a toiler yeah he's, he's just a hack what was a the point if theorist. you're just going to not kill Mulder and go against your whole group and then kill yourself in the end here's why because it doesn't make sense 
because who cares? <laughs> like the bomb in the car is a problem because why why would it be there? They knew the syndicate planted it, of course, so they knew to that to destroy evidence. They knew that he was going to betray them, but if they knew he was going to betray them, my whole thing is if the syndicate has and this is the moment he so much power. He does he has a little sigh and he gets in the car and the car explodes. Maybe he didn't know. I don't know. Maybe he didn't know there was a bomb in the car, but but he did say that after he gave them the gave Mulder the info that they would kill him. But if they have so much power that they could blow up his car the moment after he does this, then why don't they have the power to stop Mulder right here? To just blow up the car right then. Right. Like if they can blow it up here, then why don't they blow it up like, oh, he's giving him the vaccine. Uh, well, blow it up now. Yeah, kill them both. Who cares? Um, I don't get it. Like it doesn't make sense. <laughs> because there are so many moments where it's just like if that if your goal is to or like the gunshot through the car window, if they really had decided to kill Mulder right then, how did that guy miss? Exterior day. I guess a the lone gunman said like it ricocheted off his skull or across something. A frozen expanse. So we're in Antarctica. You said something about that before though, about what? the bullets ricocheting off of people's skulls. You know yeah. someone. I know two people. I know. Uh, who's that I know. Guy? I know used two people. Him... We used to call him Chief Ma- Master yeah, Chief. Master Chief. He's ranked Master Chief in the in the Navy. He was sniped, right? He was. He was shot in the head. I know two people who have been shot in the head and survived. Okay, personally. so that's not so strange so. then. But shot? Were they shot in the head point blank though? One of them was. Oh, okay. Well, the never other mind. one was shot from a distance with a rifle. Well, anyways, though. It's heavy stuff. Why? Whatever. They decided to kill Mulder. However, the only scene we saw them talking in, they decided not to kill Mulder. So that means that there's, if we're to believe what happened, then the syndicate had a meeting. I don't know. I'm done talking about it. That we didn't see. <laughs> we've, we've, we have well established that the movie doesn't make sense. That characters, the characters do not act in accord with the decisions that they seem to have made before or their motivations aren't entirely clear. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the point of a government conspiracy. But at the same time, like I watch this movie as someone who is incredibly incredulous of like like conspiracy theory and, you know, that whole type of, you know, confirmation bias thinking. Um, if you're going to make a movie that's about government conspiracy, you you better make sure that your script is airtight. <laughs> because if I'm if I. If I'm skeptical and I can pick apart conspiracy theories and say, this is why it doesn't make sense. This is why it's confirmation bias. This is why it's stupid. Then I'm going to do the same thing with your dumb movie because none of this, none of this stuff makes sense. This whole scene here where he's up in the snowy place makes me think of the thing. Yeah. The, the icy compound. Yeah. John Carpenter's masterpiece. I oh, we love need to do that movie. We have That's to do that such movie. a great movie. We got to do that for popcorn poops. Uh, so the the cigarette smoking man just got in a snowmobile. I guess a big snowmobile. Was with it the, the cigarette smoking with man? Someone else? Yeah, we we see that it's a cigarette smoking man when they come back or when they discover uh, Mulder's vehicle right here. So I guess because two people got in a car, Mulder assumes that the facility's empty now. Yeah, sure. Sure, why, why not? not? He knows exactly how many people are there at all times. So he's just running across this open. <laughs> in a very dark suit. Open white landscape in a very dark parka. 
And then he falls through the ice and into a, kind of a tunnel system. He um, just falls right into the spaceship, exactly where he needs to be. Which is exactly where he needs to be, and sort of, um, and sort of ref- break any bones. Sort of reflective of the of the the first or one of the first scenes in the movie when the boy falls through. That's into the true. Cave. That's true. I didn't think about that. So. I guess if I guess the audience is, is meant to feel tension about whether or not there's going to be that black stuff down here too. Mm, true. Well, there is. There is, but lots of it. Yeah. Well, in the form of the aliens that are all in the pods. Yeah, but now that I think about it, and I haven't thought about this before, if that black stuff is just kind of around and it can just move along and and it's basically liquid and can get in and hide in all sorts of corners and it's completely malleable and takes the form of whatever it's in like a, a liquid is is you know prone to do um I don't see why this whole facility that he's crawling into isn't just covered mm. why isn't it just everywhere like just dripping from the ceiling yeah and like stuff. like he's well and he's you also ho- get like this hopeless. feeling that it's kind of that it's kind of an organic spaceship. Like not not totally, but well, th- we're not that meant at least... to know that it's a spaceship yet. But right, but but you're gonna get this feeling that it's it's at least interconnected because when he injects the virus into Scully and it oh yeah it's it a whole sucks system through the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, umbilical cord looking tube that's in her mouth, um, it it affects the whole spaceship and that's what makes it freak out and then take off. So we get the feeling it's kind of organic. So the idea of like the slime being all over the walls and everything makes sense to me. However, I think they they go on to talk about heat reacting with the slime that maybe maybe there is slime all over the place here, but heat is a big proponent of making it do stuff. Oh, it's it's a like a uh, an insider or something like that. Mm, well, like in in what I have watched of the sixth season in the in the beginning, um, uh, they where are they? They're at like a like a power plant or something where the aliens are coming out because because of the heat. Um, so he looks at he's he's looking at maybe two or three people here. I think he looks at two people and sees an alien. <clears throat> And then he walks around, and we see how massive this facility is. And he walks down another hallway, and he, walk, he looks at about two or three other people. And then finds Scully. <laughs> how lucky. lucky. <laughs> so while we're we're going to get a, a bunch of Mulder walking around in an underwhelming spaceship interior, um, while we're doing that, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the cigarette smoking man before, before we're done here. Okay. Um, he... CSM is, well, I guess he's like Mulder's nemesis. He, I, he seems to be if, the main villain throughout the series. He's the one who keeps coming up, right? It, repeatedly, yeah. He he comes up again and again. Um, he's also known as Cancer Man, the Smoking Man. He has a name. He does have a name. I don't know what his name is. Yeah, he does. Oh have well, a name. they. I there is an episode where they credit some initials to him. Yeah, three initials and a last and name. and a last name. Yeah. But um, but I think you just see it written somewhere. I don't know what it is. Uh, in in one of the coolest episodes, one of my favorite episodes is his backstory, and it's uh, season four, episode seven, "Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man," and we see him frame Lee Harvey Oswald and kill JFK. Really? Yes. He CSM is the assassin of JFK. Wow. Yeah. Was um, he on the mound? 
Huh? Does he do it from the grassy knoll? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Okay. Where he is exactly? That's but, interesting. But, um, so the so other this whole thing... facility is like diet HR Giger. It's like wannabe alien, except not nearly as yeah. visually interesting. It's just kind of dark and hard to see, and that's not what makes Alien uh... great. Like it's, I don't know, I don't know. I could complain all day about. And then he just but... sees Scully's thing sitting right there. Yeah, he he saw the the little like, pod. Well, well, there we are. That gotta be her. So he's about to fall right here, and he's gonna say, "Oh shit!" And the "Oh shit" is so distinctly, like, terribly ADR'd into <laughs> into the sound mix. I guess they've got to make the most of their PG thirteen. But nah. <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, though, the thing about cigarette smoking man that. That I love, though, is that, you know what he really wanted to be? He didn't want to be... dancer? No. He didn't want to be an evil assassin for the Above the Gov group. He wanted to be a writer. He wanted Aww. to be a novelist. Oh, a in, man after your own in, heart. In that same episode, he we see him writing the novel, Take a Chance, a Jack Col- Colquitt? Jack Colquitt adventure. And... And then we see him, his pen name is uh, Raul Bloodworth. <laughs> and then we I see him. I wonder why his dream never came true. We see him get a really nasty rejection letter, like the kind that, that create nightmares, nasty re- rejection letter. It's terrible. Yeah. And, and then at the end of the episode, he actually gets a, a letter saying that a magazine is going to serialize his novel. And he gets so excited about it that he types out his resignation and he types out his resignation letter, but then he goes and picks up an episode of the magazine or an, uh, uh, not an episode. He goes and picks up a copy of the magazine and he realizes that they changed the ending to his novel and he Aww. tears up his resignation letter Aww. and sits down next to a homeless man. It's really heartbreaking. And, and I have, I have, I have empathy for this character now. Because now I know of, why he smokes. Right? Yeah. So let's see. This is maybe four, five, six. I think one of these guys, that might be Kurtzfile. Not Kurtzfile. Uh, Brom, Bromschweigler. I don't know what his name what? is. <laughs> what? Bromschweigler. He, uh, so he looks like at a grand total of about seven people. Five, six or seven people. And there's Scully. Well, I mean. What luck. You know, it's it's almost as if that entire facility wasn't filled to the brim with hundreds, if not thousands of these pods. Yeah, we saw like so like, many. Uh, uh, I don't I don't know what to call it. They were like hanging from the ceiling and they were like being moved like, throughout it, looked, it yeah, on it trans- like a, like an transporter assembly belts line and stuff. Or yeah. yeah, I mean, so many. Very industrial looking kind of so thing. many. We saw him find her necklace, too. We oh saw. yes, which is a cross. Scully is Scully was raised Catholic. Uh, okay. Her faith so she's is religious, right? her faith is a a big part of of the show. Her she kind of finds her faith again when she goes through the cancer thing. It's interesting because you know he's she's the skeptic, he's the believer, but she's 
the religious person and right. he's not. Right. And he kind of makes fun of her for he that. Does. Doesn't it? He does. He yeah. does. He doesn't understand I've, how. I've heard that in real life it's actually the opposite mm. that, uh, that Gillian Anderson uh, actually believes in the supernatural and paranormal and stuff like that. And he doesn't. And David Duchovny is a, is a skeptic. <laughs> I, that is such great. <laughs> Which is kind of perfect. Um, there's a, there's a lot of really weird trivia surrounding the X-Files TV show that I've, I've heard over the years. Uh, one was that Fox wanted to, again, Fox the company, not, not Fox Mulder. I would have assumed it was Mulder. Um, one of which is that Fox wanted Dana Scully to be uh, more like a bombshell, like tall, what? blonde, and busty, really leggy. Oh, God. Uh, they, were, they were looking at apparently Pamela Anderson. What? To play Dana oh Scully. my god, that's awful! That show would have been so <gasps> oh, bad. Oh, it would have been so terrible! Wow. The CG steam it looked terrible. Looks terrible in a couple of these shots. That her, previous her, shot was one of them. The tube that this scene is awful with him. Ugh, this is some Cronenbergian yeah, shit right here. Yeah, pulling the the umbilical cord looking <laughs> thing out of her throat. Uh, <laughs> her uh, gagging uh. and stuff. That's awful. Um. Anyways, her necklace was given to her by her mom at Christmas when she was 15. An an identical one was given to her sister, her sister who was murdered in the show. It's an appropriate way to celebrate the birth of Christ. Here, have the symbol of his execution and brutal death. Mulder held on to that necklace when Scully was abducted back in season two. And he held on to it and he gave it back to her when, when he found her again. That's cute. When they reunited. So him having the necklace, finding it for her again is is a callback to their relationship in the show. The way they develop their relationship, if you can even call it a romantic relationship in the show, I I assume that eventually it becomes a romantic relationship, but I don't know for sure. Um, I I don't know either. I mean, I hope it does, but but where I am, it still isn't. It seems much more deftly handled in the show. It is. It is. Whereas in this, you know, you get an almost kiss scene, which is just have they have they They're, had an almost kiss in the show? Almost? No, no. There, okay. There was this one weird episode where this guy looked like Mulder. How did that happen? Oh, the shapeshifter episode. Yeah, yeah. He was, that's one he, of the ones I watched. And he looked like Mulder, and um, and he wooed Scully. Like yeah, she he, was like, I'm down. And they were and they were sitting in her house having a bottle of wine and sitting on the couch together. And I think they start making out and Mulder walks in on him and he's like, what the hell? If anything, that that <laughs> informs the audience that Dana Scully is DTF with Mulder. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I mean, it didn't take much and it wasn't even suave Mulder. But I guess that's kind of the point. Yeah, that guy that was kind of awkward. Right? Yeah. The point, though, is that Mulder is not suave. And so, they had a really awkward moment in the hallway afterwards where he's just like, he can't believe that she was about to have sex with him, <laughs> but not him. So he's got Scully in his arms. He's climbing, trying to climb out of this facility. All of the workers, including the cigarette smoking man and uh, and uh, pockmark face, uh, have all escaped. And they're driving away on their on their snowmobiles. And the aliens are hatching from mm. the pods or I guess the ones that were uh, ready to come out. Scully is conveniently unconscious for most of this so that she won't be accountable for remembering these things, remembering that there are aliens yes. and spaceships and etc. 
when season six starts and she has to go into hearings and say certify the things that he's saying he saw she can't because she she never lies well actually i think she did lie one time um or at least she wouldn't give up some info that she knew but she's usually really even if it goes against what he's trying to prove what they're trying to prove ultimately she won't lie about what she saw and she's gonna say that she didn't see any of this She's going to say, Mulder, I don't know what I saw. So I'm torn on this scene. That's irritating. So he gives her CPR right here. I'm torn on this scene because I, my knee-jerk reaction is giving her CPR is fan service. Because the fans are like... Ah, oh. their lips, and their lips, their lips are, touched. It's, it's basically a kiss, right? It's like kissing, right? Mm. Um, but at the same time, I think him giving her CPR while surrounded by these aliens that are about to hatch is like an amazing yeah. tension builder. You know what? I didn't. I didn't. Um, I had you big time. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Call back to a it's not nice. very good joke to begin with. But no, okay. but I, I think it's fun, though. I think it's fun. It's cute. It is. Their relationship is cute. That's a good way to describe it. It's cute. Harmless. But what were you going to say? I don't know. Something I, about the CPR. I was going to say about the CPR that, yeah, I I didn't even think about it being fan service because that scene had me with the tension where I was like, oh, the aliens are going to get out of the pods and he, she's got to wake up. Oh, God. Scully, why are you dying right now? So apparently David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson um, ship their own characters pretty hard. Yeah, that's what you've told me. I'm not. I, I'm not going to say for sure. Uh, on the record uh, that I know that they've been having an affair, but that's like a rumor that's been going on for some time. Mm. Um, I guess last year at Comic-Con, they did uh, some kind of uh, reunion. uh, And one of the questions they got was something along the lines of, uh, what would Mulder and Scully do if they went on a for real date? And Gillian Anderson's response, like right off the bat, was have sex. <laughs> and then David Duchovny says, and then maybe dinner. <laughs> That's cute. So the two of them, I mean, obviously they've, you know, they, they think the same way about their characters that most mm. fans do. Um, I, I, are they married? Is he or she married? I don't I, know. He was married, right? He was married to Tia Leone, but. Is she married? Actually, there's an episode of, of the X-Files where he, when he's, at, at the same time that he was married to Tia Leone, um, he, there's a line in one of the X-Files episodes where he says something like, why would Tia Leone be attracted to me or have a crush on me? How could Tia Leone have a crush on me? Because it's, she's is. an actress. But uh, it was kind of a reference to the fact that he's married to her in real life. Right. I don't know what the context was. Um. Anyways, what I'm what I'm saying though is that I I think it would be incredibly difficult to to be in a relationship with someone in a TV show for years and not have an actual relationship. Like because you're you to to act well, you have to fool your head into believing it. I mean, unless you just don't like each other and you well, have right, to work together, right. but yeah, that's got to. But if you are that's friends, that's got to be tough, right? And it, it's hard to believe that that two actors wouldn't wind up having, even if it didn't last, you know, which it often doesn't, as I understand in Hollywood. 
I love that scene where they slide off the spaceship. I mean, like when when you think about how long these people were together every day, you know, playing characters who have this weird are they or aren't they, will Mm. they or won't they kind of thing going on. You can understand, I guess, in in some way how or why Hollywood relationships are kind of so fragile. Yeah. Um, How, how, I mean, I don't understand how I could be David Duchovny. And if I liked Gillian Anderson as a person, spending, you know, nearly every day with her for over the course of uh, nine years and having to pretend to be emotionally connected to her and emotionally invested in her, um, not I don't, actually. I don't see how I wouldn't fall in love with her. Right. You know what I mean? Of course. Well, I mean, my mom did a lot of theater when she was younger. And, and of course, Scully and does I, not see the UFO. Of course she doesn't. And I, I did a lot of theater, too. And my mom and I used to talk about how, you know, in theater, when, when, you, when you're acting opposite someone just for the length of a show, not anything close to, to this, where this is years and years of your life, but just for the length of a few months that there are a couple months even that goes into putting on a show you you can fall in love with the person you're acting opposite of you just fool yourself into thinking you are because because you have to pretend so and it and of course it's it often is not real in the end because they're not really that character and you're not really the person you're pretending to be but which is like like you said I think a lot of why Hollywood relationships are so fragile is because when they're not on TV together anymore and they got to go home and do laundry together and stuff, then they learn that, wow, he's not actually as as suave as Mulder is. And <laughs> that's kind of not so fun anymore when we're trying to decide what to watch David Duchovny on a Friday farts. night. <laughs> Imagine that. Mulder doesn't fart. He doesn't, right. He's not scripted to fart, so he doesn't fart. But David Duchovny farts, I promise. He does. <laughs> Dana Scully doesn't fart. Jillian Anderson does. <laughs> is that what we're breaking it down to is farts? That's what it is. I mean, well, that's like the the ultimate in like humanizing, you know, is farting. Yeah, that's 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 the ultimate in in you know what makes us human. <sighs> I think you're just kind of obsessed with it. So that's what really what makes us human: our, our intelligence, <laughs> our dexterity, oh, God. farting. That's it. The big three. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this guy, Look, it this says catalog shit. on it. The stuff was easily referenced and cataloged, cataloged yeah. right? Um, the shady looking dude just took the bone fragments, so he's getting rid of the evidence. Um, little too late, but that's okay. <clears throat> They're cleaning up, doing damage control, I guess. And the uh, the the board of review, uh, Blythe Danner's character here is. Uh, talking about how she can't reconcile things in Scully's report with uh, what they understand to be real life, I guess. Mm. Uh, she just, there's not evidence for it. She, do, she doesn't think that she can, she can justify the things that are being said because there isn't evidence for it. But we do see that the syndicate is having all the corn crops destroyed and they're completely tearing down their operation. The glowing boobs are gone. The glowing boobs, unfortunately. <laughs> Rest in peace, glowing boobies. Glowing bee-filled boobs. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's awful. That's good imagery, right? You like it? I do. Cronenbergian. And then Dana is going to give a beat. Look, the lone gunmen are the only ones who provided any hard evidence in this whole thing. Yep. They're the ones who picked it up. 
and no one even knows who they are. No one even knows if, who they if are. If you've never seen the X-Files and you watch this, you're like, who are those three dudes that were the most useful people? Right. They're the, the only ones who got any thing. hard evidence. You know, one thing that drives me nuts about the show and, of course, about this movie, too. I know it's not now. I know that everybody doesn't have a smartphone on them with, like, an HD camera <laughs> right. attached to their the side of their skull, you know, 24-7. But really, as FBI agents, they don't just have a camera that is small enough to carry with them. Just a regular camera, just a regular ass camera. They don't have one. They don't take it with them when they go into alien spaceships. I don't know. I I mean seriously, if they just wanna... if they just had a camera. If if, if I mean because Mulder had to go all the way to Antarctica. Right. If he just had the foresight to be like, oh, you know disposable I'm just camera. Gonna I'm gonna take this disposable up, uh, flash camera right. uh, from the store and just and just snap a few, snap Click. a few. Click. I that's, mean, that's the sound of the wheel, uh, if a, you didn't know. A, a video camera, even. Think about what that would do. Yeah. And and this is before people were really... Oh, yeah, this is the before the age of Photoshop and right. After Effects. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if he had video of this stuff, and they're FBI agents, they couldn't get like a, a, a cool little 007 camera, you know? The lone gunman couldn't make him something that was small and portable and not 90s-ish. Really? It it would solve all the problems. He'd be like, no, look, no, it, I'm telling you that there were spaceships. Look here, just look, watch, see? There was a... Oh, wow, yeah, there were. The the newspaper that, that Mulder was reading, uh, if you pause and you read it closely, which I wouldn't recommend doing because you'll mess up the sync if you're watching this with the movie right now. Mm. Um, but if you pause and, and you read the article closely, it actually says that five people died from the hantavirus. They blame it on the hantavirus, and they say that five people died. So that would that be the firemen? How many firemen were? Was it three? Three. Oh, well, I guess four went down there. Oh, uh, yeah, it would be five. So the little boy and four firemen. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I thought we blamed their deaths on the explosion. I guess I don't know. All the other articles surrounding it are just copy pasted, like they all say the same thing. So oh, really? If, so if you pay attention to him. I, I wrote down all that I could read, but it says something like, while he amended the compromise into a bill that would have required a minimum of five cent refundable deposit, the Assembly and the Senate will be the first time buyers in brief the compromise calls for blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's yeah. just a bunch of nonsense. Uh, the, the location stamp that we get right here is, did it already pass? Did we miss it? No, uh, there no, it is. No, here it is. So Tatooine? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> Foam Tatooine. Foam Tatooine is a real place in Tunisia. In Tunisia. Uh, where they shot all of the Tatooine stuff for Star Wars, and obviously that's where its name comes from, where the wow. planet Tatooine I guess so. Name. Huh. Interesting. That is interesting. Pretty cool. And this scene right here actually confirms something that uh, fans argue about. I don't know if you care that much. I care a little bit because... I, I've got weird compulsions about this kind of thing. Okay, and what's that? Um, whether or not the X-Files is spelled X hyphen files. Ah, yeah, that's or important. X space files. Right. Because all of the official logos for the X-Files say the and files in a smaller font, and the X is usually large and stylized, and there's no hyphen, mm. but... When it's not stylized and it's just written out, is a hyphen intended to be there? Mm. Now on IMDb, both the films and the TV series are listed as X Space Files, 
On Wikipedia, it's X hyphen files. Right. That's how I usually type it is with a hyphen. However, in this shot right here, uh, we're not this shot, but in this scene, we're about to see the telegram that says that the X files has, has been, been reopened. reopened. The telegram types it out as X hyphen files right there. Ah. X files reopened. X hyphen files. And in the credits, it is also credited as X hyphen files. And in this final shot, we can see that the boobies have been resurrected. Oh, look, and there's and more there's of more. them. There's more. And the corn crops. There are even more corn crops this time. Oh, my God. So they're carrying on with their plan. The Where are all the irrigation system things? Because they're, I mean, they've got to have a lot. They, they've got a thing for you know, building, you know, creating, like, green grass out in the desert. Yeah. Or green The The vegetation. X-Files closing and being reopened and closing and being reopened is not anything new from this movie they did it even in the first season they closed it and reopened it oh and the second season oh okay um but but here the the x-files has been reopened in the sixth season Mulder and scully however will not they will be reassigned to domestic terrorism that's where i'm at right now is the x-files are open but we've got some other a-holes on it and not them (laughs) a-holes uh (laughs) Did you know that Chris Carter actually wanted to end the series at season five and he wanted this to be the first of a series of films that would continue the story? Really? He wanted it to be a film series after season five. Huh. But Fox said no. So is that... would it, it is, would the it, X-Files it, with a oh, hyphen. Yeah. Would it have been a different movie then if he had done that? Probably, maybe. I think so. I don't think it would have because felt this really... so... It feels a lot like the TV show, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's just it to me. It I, really I think that's is one, just a long. Episode. I think that's one of its shortcomings too, because as a, if you were a fan of the X Files back then, and I said this earlier, and you waited for this movie to come out, and then you saw it, I'm sure some part of you would be like, "Oh wow, it's great! I, I saw." I'm trying to think of another show like Serenity, right? Exactly. Serenity is a great movie. It is a great movie, and it feels like a movie. It feels like a movie, and it feels bigger than the TV show. Right. Not only that, but I think it succeeds at being a standalone movie. Right. I think so, too. I watched Serenity before I ever watched Firefly. I did, too. And I loved it. Absolutely. I it and I loved sci- it, and I was like, well, duh, I got to go watch the show. So, um, yeah. Sci- science fiction, like science science space adventure type yeah. thing. Um, certainly not hard sci-fi. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this succeeds as a standalone movie. And I think in the ways in which they try to make it succeed as a standalone movie makes it fail even worse. Like with the really stilted, heavy-handed, you know, exposition and dialogue and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. And However, though, the the fact is that... Characters for... that appear and disappear and they don't seem to have any purpose. But they're obviously like there's something to them. They're like, man, these characters look really weird and they, they, they seem to be important, but we don't get any information about them whatsoever. For all the problems this movie does have, though, I I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. I it didn't was hate fun. It. I didn't hate it either. It got kind of boring in the middle ish, and yeah. and 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 there were confusing problems. I, but but the fact is that I love getting to see Fox and Dana pal around together, and and I love I love the X Files. So it's a it's got aliens and stuff. I can't really dislike it, and it's not like it's so poorly written that there's like really awkward dialogue and oh, no, you know no. stuff like that like I, it's, I, I it's like, pretty okay i like the performances a lot yeah. i think that the the central uh, relationship between 
Uh, Mulder and Scully carries this movie all right, the way through. It does. The story doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The action scenes are a little bit underwhelming. But I think that where it does succeed is it does. It kind of succeeds in the same place that it fails in that. Um, it does kind of feel like an episode of the right. TV show. It there, if we can get rid of the confusing plot hole weirdness things that it's, it's a longer, it's a longer, slightly, slightly more, expensive. more expensive episode of the X Files. And for me, that's fine. I'm happy to watch this and then go into season six. Yep. It's it's perfect for me. And it that, does, it does take regard. place between so, season five and season six. The the end of season... we even get a recap on the first episode of of season five ends with the X Files room burning the office burning and it then we get this movie and then we reopen on season six and they even do a previously on x-files and show a bunch of clips from the movie so that's how you knew this movie existed or right uh, actually there was a documentary a mini documentary at the end of season five that was in preparation for this movie oh and i was like what so i see so fun little trivia about uh fox william spooky Mulder. he's a He's colorblind. Oh wow! That saved him in an in an episode where Dana went crazy because he didn't see the the color things on the teeth. Whatever. Um, his first words were JFK. His first word. <laughs> oh my god! At eleven months old. His birthday is Friday, October thirteenth, nineteen sixty one. Okay. He loves I think, Star Trek. I think, I think ten thirty one was a was a time code that came up in the movie at one point. Oh really? Yeah, I read a bunch of trivia about how like the the time codes in the movie all have like corresponding dates to like Chris Carter's wife's birthday and stuff like that. For a movie that is all about conspiracy and stuff, there really wasn't a lot of like... Easter eggs. Yeah. Not a whole lot. Like in the Matrix, you're watching it and you're just like, oh God, my head is going to explode. All of the Easter eggs that I found were all like, this time stamp is Chris Carter's birthday and it's then his wife's birthday and this is his son's yeah, Dave. That's, I, mm. I don't know. Bar Mitzvah. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Um, Mulder, Mulder loved Star Trek as a child. There's a home video of him dressed as Spock. <laughs> that makes sense. I can see that. That makes he sense. He hates insects. Oh. He hates bugs. There's I, I hate incest, too. Not, no, not incest. Oh, I'm sorry. I was flashing back to old boy last right, week. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, he wanted to be an astronaut when he grew up. That studied, makes sense, too. Studied French in high school. Got a degree in psychology from Oxford. Dana's birthday is February 23, 1964. Her dad was in the Navy, so she was a Navy brat. She was raised Catholic, but loves the movie The Exorcist. Um, and also, she loved Moby Dick, and her dad used to call her Starbucks. Cool. Starbuck. Star, or, star, 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 Starbuck. Starbuck. Should Sorry. be Starbuck. Starbuck. Um, one one thing about this movie, we're we're gonna credit this, we're gonna list this uh, movie as the X Files, uh, because Fight the Future is not actually in the title. Um, Fight the Future is the tagline for the movie, and it was placed so close to the title in the official poster that it appears to be a subtitle for the movie. But the ti- the official title of the movie is just the X Files. Mm. So um, uh, fans of the show that consider this in the you know the chronology of the series they refer to this by the episode title fight the future ah, quote unquote i see so that's that's how they refer to this episode so if you're talking chronologically the end of season 5 into season 6 would be the episode titled the end fight the future and the beginning okay. because those are the names of yeah. those episodes 
And they do, they reference the title in that scene where uh, the well-manicured man is talking with Mulder and gives him the vaccine and he talks about Mulder's dad hoping that Mulder would fight the future, which is the future of an Earth colonized by aliens. Okay, here's the real question though. Do you believe? Uh, I want to believe. Okay, true. Is that a good answer? Yeah, it's a good answer. As always, you can find us, uh, actually not as always, we got our own domain. Uh, From now on, you can find us at our website, www.popcornpoops.com. It's very, very exciting. So exciting. Uh, You can also find us on uh, iTunes, where you can leave us a little rating and review. We'd really, really appreciate that. We've only got two reviews so far. We want to see more of those, and, and we really like reading them, so please, please leave us one of those. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Popcorn Poops. Like us on Facebook. Uh, we're we're trying to get our YouTube channel off the ground. We're uh, I'm slowly putting all of the the you know few episodes that we've done of the podcast up on there, um, so you can listen to the podcast on YouTube. And we're thinking about starting some uh, a couple of video series. So we'll see how that goes. That'll be coming up. You can find me on Twitter at Dusty Cram Cram, and I'm at Jesse Casper. And until next time, take care. Bye-bye. We are the popcorn.